Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey, what's happening, Rush Nation? Uh, waiting on stocks. Um, hopefully he'll join at some point, uh, but I thought, you know, we're 20 past the hour. Uh, let's get started. I'm just going to share this on uh, on the channels to let people know that we have kick-started. Welcome. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It is uh, week four coming up. The season is just going really, really quickly. Like, uh, you think about it, that after this week, we're... Uh, get well going into midweek will be almost a quarter of a way through the regular season, which is just mad, really, when you think about it. That we're nearly a, uh, getting to that point where we're nearly a quarter of a way through the season. So, uh, appreciate you tuning in. Um, if you've got questions, do feel free to fire some as we go through. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd kick us off. Um, first of all, thanks for tuning in, and then on top of that, do like and subscribe. We're live on YouTube. You can watch all the videos on YouTube, so do check us out there. And then also feel free to uh, leave us a review. They really are helpful. Uh, Had a couple through, so really appreciate that. Please do leave us a review. Uh, It just helps us get noticed, helps us get visible. It's also a milestone show, 750 episodes of Fiverr Rush, which is just bonkers, really. Um, Can't quite believe it myself that we've got that far. So thank you if you've been with us the whole way. Is this your first show? Welcome. (coughs) <coughs> sorry battling a bit of a goal um yeah really appreciate you joining in um also just to let you know the show is brought to you by uh manscaped um really fortunate to have them sponsoring us they uh have incredible products talked about the the beard trimmer um but they also have uh the lawnmower which is an excellent product uh so you know look after yourselves groom yourselves get the best grooming kit out there at manscaped.com 
or manscaped.co.uk. Free international shipping. Uh, use the code five yard for free international shipping and 20% off. Take my word for it. Brilliant products. Um, so please do check them out uh, and do get yourself uh, purchasing some amazing products by, by Manscaped. So that's what we do. Last couple of weeks, last couple of flagships, we've had some guests and we've stayed a little bit away from fantasy. We've talked about some more interesting things uh, in terms of uh, commissioning and fantasy leagues. And then last week we had Ben on and I wanted to get him on to talk about his book because I think it's a very topical thing, the NFL UK community and timing well with the games uh, and everything going on. So, uh, But this week we are going to revert back to a normal schedule. So really um, the purpose of this is to react to week three what happened in week three, um, some some things that surprised us, or in this case, me. Uh, also then sort of some main learnings and then some trends. So going through some of the trends that I've gone through the week and thought these are interesting things to pick out and to either pay attention to or call out as an anomaly or whatever it might be. So any questions, please just pop them through. Um, I can't see questions of people that are watching this on X or Twitter or Elon Musk's playground or whatever this is. So uh, pop over to YouTube or Facebook and, and they're the places where you can definitely ask uh, those questions. Uh, and I'll get to them as we go through. So we'll start with the reaction to, to week three. Um, the things that surprised me uh, in week three, uh, we knew that there were some quarterback changes in Indianapolis and then also in Carolina this week due to injuries to two rookies, Anthony Richardson, a concussion uh and Bryce Young we know we're going to be out for a couple of weeks I didn't I knew there would be more increased target volume but I didn't think we would see those teams throw as much as they did Carolina threw the ball 58 times on Sunday which was absolutely mad so the the first two trends are kind of uh things that surprised me was one with Carolina throwing the ball 58 times 57 of them to a receiver target um, to see the fact that Thielen had 14 targets and Chark had 11 targets. Just didn't see that coming. I thought there'd be an increase in volume, but I didn't think you'd see that. That is, you know, this is a team that threw the ball 51, uh, 31 times or to receivers. So there was, we're not counting the times that the ball's thrown uh, just out of play. 31 recognized targets to uh, a, a receiver, and that could be a running back tight end or a wide receiver uh, in week one. 31 in week two, so the same didn't change. And it jumped all the way up to 57 of the 58 attempts uh, were to a nominated receiver. That's huge. Like, that's just massive. Um, A huge increase. Didn't see that coming. So to see that target increase. And then the same, I thought, again, there'd be some increase in volume from uh, Gardner Minshew. But I didn't see Josh Downs getting 12 targets at the weekend. So there were two, two things that completely really shocked me. Thought there'd be increases in passing. Didn't see that kind of volume for that. And and Josh Downs. And the reason I call it out here, and they're surprising, is they're also enigmas. Don't react to these. So maybe this week with uh, Dalton playing, Thielen and Chark might be a a borderline play. They might be streamable. They might be flex plays. Past this week, they're probably not. So... We expect that volume when, when Bryce Young comes back. Bryce Young's the futures. They will play Bryce Young. They're 0-3. They're not going to go to the playoffs. So they are going to stick with Bryce Young. They're not going to play Andy Dalton the rest of the season. So the volume's going to drop off again. And when it does, 
those players will become less fantasy relevant. So cash in on the week. Don't spend too much fab. Don't trade for them. It's a one-off. Josh Downs, one to keep an eye on. He's a rookie, but again, that passing volume is going to go way down. He was the one that benefited the most from the increase in pass volume. When that decreases, it's still going to be Michael Pittman. It's still going to be Zach Boss. And still not going to be anyone else. So just, they were surprises, but I just thought I'd call that out uh, as well. Um, and then the uh, Devon A-Chain, as we're now having to call him, um, Devon A-Chain, um, his usage was off the chart. So this is a guy, it was a healthy scratch in week one, scored 0 0.8 fantasy points in week two. He was the RB84, I believe, or 86 coming into this week or week three. And then all of a sudden posts a 200 plus yard, four touchdown game. No one saw that coming. Massive shock. It was a massive shock to me that he got that kind of usage. And I'll call out a bit more of his usage later on, but I will say that that really surprised me that we saw that kind of volume. Um, I see a lot of people overreact to it in the sense of with Fab. I talked about this on Monday's show. I do think it's an overreaction. I did, wouldn't have put all my fab in on them. I've seen some leagues where that was definitely something that happened. I don't think that's something I would um, I would do. Uh, and I express the fact you've got Mostert there, who it's not like he had a bad game and was replaced. It's not like he got injured. And then you've got Jeff Wilson coming back in a little over a week. So it just, he's definitely arrived. He's definitely going to have a role. Is that role going to be huge? I mean, he's currently the RB5, RB6. Yeah, I don't think he's going to stay there. I think he's an RB3-ish rest of the season. So I don't know if that was worth banking. The Fabo, he might end up coming through. And I could be wrong. But right now, I'm not so sure. The one thing that was also interesting that will change this week is Jalen Waddle will be back. I don't think they're going to run the ball as much. Um, I talked about this on the Patreon cast. And you can subscribe to uh, us on Patreon for as little as a pound a month. And you get access to the Patreon cast. I go through every game. I go through every trend of every game. I talk about what I think is interesting. Um, I talk about usage. I talk about upward trends and downward trends. And I talk a little bit about uh, the Miami situation and what they potentially did uh, this week. So that's my sort of thoughts on, on A-Chan, as we're now calling him. Um, obviously, shocking to see that kind of usage. It's good, but I don't think you're going to see it uh, necessarily uh, again. Uh so then moving on to main learnings this week. And this is something I've talked about a few times. I've talked about it in the books. I've talked about it on shows. I've talked about it this season. And it's roster management is so crucial. Now, if you're playing in a league that is a short roster, a short bench, you have a lot more flexibility on the waiver wire to do things, but then also you have a much smaller bench to control things. So, I've talked about this a fair bit. So I, I also think it's important to talk about the state of play. If you took an elite quarterback, you don't need to have an extra quarterback on your bench. You just pick up one for the bye week, cut whoever's on your bench, you can cut, you move on. The same goes for a tight end. There is no point in having a spare tight end on your bench. It's just pointless, especially with how bad the tight end position is where 50, 60 yards is getting you in the top eight every week. It's not worth having a spare tight end because there's so many guys that can potentially do that. Um, and it's such a fluid position. So you don't have a quarterback. You don't have a tight end. 
on your bench. So if you have a bench of five, six, seven spots, at this point, I would be looking to get as many running backs out there that I could think of. And I think that's what's really uh, important is right now we're seeing running backs go, but we're also seeing that running backs are a premium. We get to a level with um, with wide receivers that a lot of the wide receivers are a bit of a much of a muchness that are now left in your leagues. It's fine to have them, and you're going to have some wide receivers on your bench that you drafted that are better than what's on the better than waivers, and that's fine. So if you've got, for example, you know um, Nico Collins, Nico Collins is probably going to be better than what's on your bench, uh, what's on your waiver. So fine, you keep Nico Collins. That's a spot you keep. <coughs> Excuse me. However, you need to be stacking your your bench with running backs. Now, I talked about Jerome Ford as a waiver wire pickup uh, before he got injured, and then he got injured. Um, and we're seeing consistent injuries in the league uh, at the running back position. We've seen this trend for the last three or four years and we're seeing it this year and when that's the case you need to think about getting ahead especially if you're in leagues where there's fab because or in fact even in any leagues when it's just a standard waiver claim because if you're three and oh you're not going to get these players and then that evens the competition out so you know imagine if you were two and oh last week you were trying to get jerome ford no chance of getting him it just wasn't going to happen so now we need to think about who is the biggest beneficiaries to a an injury? And I hate using that terminology, but unfortunately, we're playing a game where this where injuries do happen. That there is going to be somebody who benefits from an injury, whether we, you know, and I'm not saying we wish for injury. I've talked about this with Ben last week. I'm not wishing for injuries. I don't want there to be an injury. I'd like things to remain the same. However, injuries do happen. Playing a game, we're thinking about what happens if there is an injury and how do you do how do you prepare for that in in a game um so the players that i think and i'm looking at waivers that you can still get potentially in leagues my number one running back ad and if he's available in your league get him tonight um or tomorrow uh is dowdle of of dallas he is the guy rico dowdle is the guy I think has the most standalone handcuff value of any running back that's available in the majority of leagues. So Tony Pollard's usage has been off the charts. He's had a phenomenal season so far. Not all of that is his talent. A lot of it is his usage as well. So Rico Dowdle, for me, if something happened to Tony Pollard tomorrow or on Sunday, Rico Dowdle, for me, is probably the biggest beneficiary of any running back in the NFL should there be another injury. So, and also he's got talent. He's already demonstrated that he has significant talent. He's the only other running back that is getting any kind of snaps in that Dallas offense. So Rico Dowdle is the guy I would go and grab. I'd go grab him now while you can, if he's available in your league. If he's not, I would say trade for him. That might be quite difficult. Um, because you probably have to give up something, but it depends what you have to give up to get him. Uh, but have a conversation, see see what it does. Um, Elijah Mitchell was next. Again, pretty self-explanatory. If Christian McCaffrey went down and, you know, he has had injuries the last couple of years, 
So that is something that can definitely happen. Then if it does, the next beneficiary is Elijah Mitchell. We're seeing that with usage. So these are guys that you wouldn't play week to week, but these are guys you need to have on your bench. And this is why, you know, a lot of people had uh, Devon uh, Achan on their benches and kept him. People had Jerome Ford on their benches. This is how you can get an edge in fantasy football is having these guys on your bench. They never make it to waivers and therefore you, nobody else can take them. Other players that I'd be looking at, Tuba Hubbard. Um, I think especially when we revert back to Bryce Young, they'll run the ball more. If something was to happen to Miles Sanders, Tuba Hubbard would be a significant role and significantly worth playing. Um, Sean Tucker, although Tampa are very bad at running the football, uh, Rashad White, despite the fact he's leading the league in rushing yards under expected, is pretty much exclusive in that role. Sean Tucker's getting a few touches here and there. There isn't another show in town in terms of running backs. Therefore, if something was happened to White, it would almost exclusively go to Tucker. But there's also this flip side of, well, Rashad White isn't really running brilliantly at the moment. And I don't know if it's the system. I don't know. I've, I'm watching the games. I don't, I can't really tell. There is talent in there. But he's not breaking tackles. He's not getting as many yards as, as he should be. And that is a, a, a fact. So if he's not getting the yards he's expected, at some point, the offensive coordinator might go to a two-headed back. They might switch completely. So Sean Tucker, for me, looks like an opportunity to go and uh, benefit from if there's even not even an injury, just there could be a change in that situation. So that's another one I'd be looking at. As Matt Breeder at the moment. Does he play Sunday? Does Saquon play on Sunday? Saquon's questionable. We'll know a little bit more, hopefully by, oh, sorry, by Tuesday, he's playing Monday Night Football. Are we going to know more? Hopefully we'll know more by Sunday about Saquon's status. I don't think Matt Breeder is a great option, but he's better than a no option. So he's on that list. Zach Charbonnet, I do think he's owned in 40% of leagues. So this one might be a bit wild, but I expect Charbonnet to be dropped over the next couple of weeks because he's not getting the usage that I think people expected, especially myself. I sat here and thought that Seattle would run a two-back committee um, that would be almost 50-50. And it's not. Uh, Kenneth Walker is running running away with the show, really. But Charbonnet's usage is ticking up slightly. I do think they will revert more to a 50-50, not maybe a 55-45 role, maybe even a 60-40 role. Charbonnet will have value. Kenneth Walker, again, is a player. I know it's only second year, but he had injuries last year. He had injury problems in preseason as well. If that continues, Charbonnet will be the beneficiary. So if he's available, I'd be getting him. These are some running backs that they shouldn't be unowned, is what I'm saying. If ZK Elliott's available in your league, he's got good standalone usage right now. That will only increase if something happens to Ramadre Stevens. These are the backs that need to be owned. They need to be owned, and they will how you will get um that's how you will get a, an edge. So I think for me. Having those backs are going to, and not allowing the competition in your league to have them or even have an opportunity to get them, take an edge. So if you've got a bench of six spots, for example, I personally think that you should have at least three, probably even four of those spots should be running backs right now. I think when you get to the bye weeks, then you need to revert that and probably have to cut your losses if that if nothing's materialized from there because you're going to need to have rotational players coming in and that's different. But I think for now, when you don't have that, I'd be taking advantage of not having to have an extra quarterback, 
not having to have an extra tight end and go ahead and just stockpile these running backs because you can catch lightning in the bottle. And even if you don't play these players, even let's say, for example, you've got a league where you're, you're already sitting pretty. You've got uh, McCaffrey and you've got Jacobs and you've got, um, you know, a couple of other like Brian Robinson Jr. or Jerome Ford. And you've already got like four great running backs. You can trade them. You can strengthen the other areas where you might be weak, wide receiver, quarterback, because people are going to need these running backs. There aren't that many elite running back options. If you end up holding four, five, six of them, you're going to be in a very strong position in your league. Uh, someone just popped in with a question. Uh, Nana, I'm a bit concerned that Walker's style of running is not going to work uh, is not going to work in tough matchups. There's so many plays where he runs 45 yards to gain five. Yes and no. I, you're right. He does tend to sort of bounce around the line of scrimmage a fair bit and, and go from one side to the other side to the other side. It does sort of happen. But... Having said that, what I look through is first of all, does get he does have talent. He ha, he has a decent rushing yards over expected for the year, um, so he is actually progressing. It's a positive number, so he is actually obtaining positive yardage on plays. The second thing is he has had tough matchups already. Um, Caroline is not an easy matchup for running backs. He did very well in that one. And so he, he has demonstrated already that I'm not saying he's matchup proof, but he, he is someone that I wouldn't necessarily be looking at and thinking I can't start him because of a tough matchup. Considering there isn't, I think, 24 elite running backs in the NFL in for fantasy football, I find it very hard to drop Kenneth Walker to my bench at any point, even if he's got a tough, even if he's playing the Buccaneers, I would still, or the Eagles, I would still sit there and go, I'm probably still going to take my chance on Kenneth Walker because I don't think that there is a an alternative that's much stronger. Unless my bench is stacked. And if my bench is stacked, then that's different. Like if you've acquired uh, Kyron Williams and Jerome Ford, very different story. But most people will not be in that situation where they're sitting out at Jerome Ford or Kyron Williams every single week. But if you are, then happy days. You've played the game very, very well. Um. So that's a bit on on bench management. So right now I'd be sitting there thinking, get your get your running backs, get those running backs I've mentioned, um, and add them and try and add them now. Maybe even trade low for them if you don't have to give up too much. If you've got um, spare parts like a, a spare wide receiver, uh, so for me, Jahar Dotson would be perfect. I would sit here and quite happily trade Jahar Dotson for. Um, I, I'd even probably propose Dotson for, for Dowdle, and that might not work. I can't see a scenario right now where I feel comfortable playing Jahar Dotson at any point. His targets per route run is extremely low. It's around about 14, 15%. He's averaging 5.4 yards per touch. He's got no touchdowns on the season. That Washington offense, which keeps getting praise, doesn't look that good. Sam Howe, four interceptions at the weekend. I'm not sold that it we had a game on Sunday with the with the command. Yes, okay, they're against the Bills. That's a tough matchup. Good D. They threw the ball 86% of the time, and he still didn't come up with a stat line that was fantasy worthy. And that's not gonna happen. They're not gonna throw the ball 86% of the time every week. 
So if in a game that is 86%, 86.5% of the time they threw the ball, he still can't put up a fantasy-relevant stat line. Yes, he's going to have the odd week where he's going to be fantasy-relevant. He's going to be a low-end wide receiver two, wide receiver three. But they're going to be the exceptions. They're not going to be the norm. So for me, trading someone like Jahan Dotson for a Dowdle, who might never play, I'm taking that risk because if something happened to Tony Pollard, I do win that trade. But on paper, it looks like the person I'm trading Jahar Dotson to is winning that trade. But you have to weigh up your personal risk and reward um, tolerance, and you have to weigh up your league, and you have to weigh up your scoring, and you have to weigh up your squad management. But there's an example of something I would potentially be thinking about doing to end up cashing up. Someone like Robert Woods. Decent floor play, definitely. No real ceiling play. Especially now with Tank Dell's emergence, and I'll get on to that. I would be trading someone like Robert Woods for Rico Dowdle. It's another player that I'd be sitting there thinking... I can probably live without Robert Woods. I can probably find someone on the waiver wire to cover my bye weeks. Because there's no other point where you play. And if you've got a player who you haven't played in your starting lineup for the first three weeks, they're the sorts of players you want to think about trying to trade for a Zach Charbonnet, trying to trade for a Rico Dowdle, uh, trying to trade for an Elijah Mitchell. Because if something happens, you will benefit. And if it doesn't happen and you haven't played that player through the first three weeks of the season, be honest with you. Are you genuinely going to play that player? Because if you're not going to play them, then why not trade them for a high... It's a it's a risk play, but if you're not going to play them, the risk is almost zero, because you're only going to cut that player anyway for someone else. So why not take a small risk and see what you end up with? It's the best piece of strategy advice I can give you. It may not work, probably won't work, but what if it does? You can go from potentially being middle of the pack to contending. You could be from contending to favorite with the right move. And if something happened to Tony Pollard, Rico Dowdle is, for me, the best handcuff running back that is widely available. Again, it's other handcuffs you can go for. But for me right now, Rico Dowdle is the guy who I think has you have the most chance of obtaining via trade or via your waivers. He is the player who I think has the most upside. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I'd have said Jerome Ford. On every wave of wire, I talked about Jerome Ford. I went on a show for PFN. I talked about Jerome Ford. I said, you pick up Jerome Ford. I talked about it in the preseason. I talked I talked about Jerome Ford a lot. And I'm not trying to, that's not me victory lapping. This isn't me going, look at me, I'm a genius. I told people to pick up Jerome Ford before um, Nick Chubb got injured. Because very much not the case. I do not want people to think that I wished an injury on Nick Chubb or that I'm victory lapping because I'm not. It's just a strategy play that you end up looking for high, in run first teams with high volume opportunities should there be an injury a team suspension, as we saw with Kareem Hunt a few years ago with the Chiefs. These are all situations that can occur. And so when you're looking at trying to win your league, these are the small edges that can potentially lead you to win a league. So don't leave these players unowned and don't leave them in your competition's hands. Try and trade for them. And if it doesn't work, 
And a lot of times I don't want them to work because obviously I like Tony Pollard. I want Tony Pollard to succeed. I want Nick Chubb to be good this season. But we are playing a game where there is a reaction and a consequence to these injuries. And that is where why not have that opportunity to have those players on your bench should something happen. That's all I'm saying. Not victory lapping, not wishing an injury. Very, very far from it. But what happens if? And that's what you've got to be prepared for. That's how good players win leagues. That's how leagues get won. They get won by being one step ahead. And so these are the critical positions you need to be thinking of. Another thing while I'm on running backs, um, I think for me this year has been the absolute worst when I look at ADP, but then also when I'm looking at projections week to week. Now, if you're somebody who sets your lineup by your projections, so you look at the projections that Sleeper, NFL, uh, Fantasy App, ESPN, Yahoo, Flea Flicker, whatever system you use, if you're setting your lineups by the projection numbers, I'm begging you, please do not. Please do not do it. The projection numbers this year are so, so, so bad, especially at the running back position. The amount of times I've seen people not play Brian Robinson Jr. Now, I know he didn't have a good week last week. Game script, everything else went the wrong way. The first two weeks, I saw the amount of times I saw Brian Robinson Jr. on a bench. And I've been telling people for months, Brian Robinson Jr. is going to start. He is the starter. He is going to have the majority of the work. Going into this week, he was a top three running back in the in, in fantasy football before week three. I didn't think that would happen. But at the same point, projections are wrong. I don't, I don't know how they're getting to these numbers in these stats, but they're not good this year. They're really, really not good. And there is an edge to be had because if the rest of your league is using the projections to set their lineups, not only are they not going to get an optimal number, but they're going to sit very, very good players. Um, And it, I don't, like I said, I don't know why, but there is an advantage to be had. If you're following analysts that you trust and analysts that you like and you're looking at their rankings and you're asking the questions and you're finding out why, there are edges to be had, especially at the running back position. Talked about Ryan Robertson Jr. He's been an edge all season. Yes, last week was bad. Bad games happened. And it wasn't even him who had a bad game. It's just the game script went completely the wrong way. Washington, as I mentioned, threw the ball 86.5% of the time. Not going to happen again. But there are edges to be had with these projections. Some of them have been very, very, very bad. They just, they, I don't know. And it, it seems to be even when they're updating them, they're not updating them for, they're like using a rest of season algorithm. So there's edges on certain players. Um, Devon Achan is probably one right now that you could probably argue should start next week. But his, if you look at his... Uh, his projections, I bet it's only somewhere between 8 and 11 points. I reckon it should be higher. Um, depending on the league format, of course. Um, there's players like... But then it goes the other way. There's players like Chris Godwin at the moment who are... and You know, this is one I got wrong and I'm going to eat this L. That I thought Chris Godwin would be far more effective than Mike Evans this year. And I said, well, he's the only one in Tampa I want because they go throw the ball short, it's going to go a lot to Evans. That hasn't happened. I'll eat that. I got that one completely wrong. See, I'm not one that's just going to sit here and talk about all my success stories, I got Chris Godwin so far quite wrong. And there's going to be a few L's I'm going to take as I go through the next segment. But his number, projection, 
He's not met that at any point in the season. The volume, the target volume has not been there. They're really force-feeding and trying to get the ball to Mike Evans. To the point now with Chris Godwin in quite a lot of leagues is probably a sit. Might be a better fit this week against New Orleans. But again, this is where the projection numbers are just so off. Because they've looked, I don't know if they've made the corrections from what we're seeing. And we're now three weeks in. There are enough trends. There is enough data there to be looking at these trends, to be looking at projections. And to say, these are right, these are wrong. But they're edges to be had. And especially, just do not, as please, the best advice, if you only listen to one piece of advice, and I feel like I've gone quite strategy heavy in this podcast so far. If I can give you one piece of advice, the one piece of advice I give you is don't play off the projections. And I've said this so many times, but this year in particular, they're very, very, very bad. They are, um, stocks is joining. Uh, yeah, the projections are very bad. Very, very, very bad. Do not set your lineup off projections. Sense check it. Sense check it off analysts. Even if you just use the, the Fantasy Pros ECR, just something. Just sense check it because I'm sorry, they are really bad this year. And if that's how you set it off, you're gonna be in you're gonna be in trouble. Um, so that's one for you. If you're 0-3 and all you've done is set your lineup through projections, I'm not surprised. So yeah, just just sense check. Just look at those projections and just sit there and think about your team. Go with your gut. Go with your gut. It's your team. Go with your gut. And, you know, if you're struggling to set your lineup, I've talked about the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 5 year rush. One pound a month, you join the WhatsApp group. The WhatsApp group is the best way to get hold of me. Right? I'm going to answer questions in the WhatsApp group as close to kickoff as I can. I have a kid. Dinner time. Things like that. But I'm going to do my best to answer questions as close to kickoff. Preferably, I like them much earlier. But whatever. And everyone in that group will tell you that I will I will answer questions and I'll answer them pretty quickly. It's the single quickest way for me to answer a question. I have people that ask me questions. I've talked about this first few weeks of the season. I've asked me questions via Twitter. Don't engage in the content. And I can tell because you asked me a question and I've talked about it and you haven't. And then you're asking me a question that's the same and I've given the answer on one of these shows. And I think, well, if you if you're not watching the shows and if you're not listening to the podcast and I've already talked about I don't feel obliged to answer again I just don't I really don't um because I feel like I've talked about it if you're not going to engage and listen to the and I get it people are busy podcasts are busy but at the same point if I've sat there and I've given an answer to something already and you haven't picked up that's not my I you know I I don't have time to go through all the questions I get on Twitter if I feel like I've already answered it before or if I feel like it's just a simple start this player over this player, my rankings are public. They're on the 5 Air Rush website. Go to weekly rankings, 5airrush.co.uk. You can see all my rankings. I update them a lot on Sunday with all the outs and everything. I do my best to keep them as up to date as possible. Sometimes on a Saturday, I don't. You know, Saturday for me is the hardest day. I like to analyze the news. So I, I do an update on Friday, on pretty much uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Kind of leave Saturday, let it all percolate, and I'll update Sunday morning, and then I'll go from there, especially when I'm writing my, my content for Pro Football Network. So have a look there, um, and you'll see all of that. So we've covered off strategy. We've talked about bench management. We've talked about the projections are wrong. Um, 
they're kind of the really big thing. And I've talked about some surprising trends, but the things I've learned, uh, these are, the, you know, are that bench management. The RBs are going to be key to you winning your league this year. Um, it's a good year for zero RB, it seems, if you pick the right players and compared to those at the top. Having said that, there is some other, there is the efficiencies to be had and that's done on the waiver wire. So do that now. Add those players I mentioned. Ignore the projections to a degree. Not good this year. Do your own sense checking. Go through it all. Go through your start sets. Join the Patreon. You can ask me directly. Happy to pick them up. And again, and uh, talk about the Patreon one more time. I'm going to mention it. The Patreon cast is everything. I do it once a week. I go through every game and I talk about every every relevant trend from that game. And sometimes I say it's the same story and I don't give that because there's not much to say. So I don't need to go over things too much, but it's about 45 minutes to an hour, but they're highlighting the trends. They're telling you, I'm telling you about players who are trending upwards and players who are trending downwards based on usage. And I'm saying bad week this week, but don't worry. The, the, the peripherals are good or bad week this week. Peripherals are really bad. I'm concerned. And I'm going to talk about, in this show, this flagship show, I'm going to highlight a few trends every week, but I'm not going to do them all. And because one, it's an entire podcast in itself. And two, I do that. That is what the Patreon cast is. So tune in there. You can get that. Um, you can get that on there. Stocks is joining. Um, and so I'm a bit reluctant to, to kick off the next segment without him. Um but I, I tell you what, look, I, I will do, which is just talking about those statistical trends. And I'll keep it to Devon A. Chan um, while I'm waiting for stocks, because we've talked about it quite significantly in this show. Um, and I've talked about the fact that, you know, he he's someone that I'm slightly concerned about from a high ceiling perspective, but he's a must-own. He's a player that you must have, but not at all costs. So uh, the usage-wise is really, really interesting this week. So he actually got six of the eight touches that the Miami Dolphins had inside the 10 this week. And that's really interesting to me, that he had that kind of usage. Hello, Stocks. Hey, hey. How you doing? Yeah, good. Sorry, apologies for my tardiness. That's all right, my friend. I thought we'd kick off. Um I was, we've just got to the part where we're talking about statistical trends we need to monitor. And I was just talking about Devon Achan. I've talked about him a bit already about how I wouldn't have gone all in on the fab on him, how this was the best performance we're going to see from him all season. You still got Mostert. You've still got um, Jeff Wilson Jr. to come back next week, potentially into this. So it could be a three headed monster. It could all be a bit messy. So I, I, I was saying worth, if you spent fab on him and you got him 20, 25% of fab, I was okay with that. If you spent all your fab on him, I'd be concerned, but it might work out. You don't know, but I'm trying to give some hope that six of the eight team touches inside the 10 went to A-chan. So there might be this path for A-chan to be the goal line back going forward because he was very, very good and efficient in that zone. And at the end of the day, the team aren't going to ignore the 233 yards he put up um, but again, Jalen Waddles to come back this week. He's cleared the con- uh, concussion protocol, so we know he's going to play. So I think they will pass the ball more, which means I think they'll run the ball less. 
and then they're sharing it. It's not like Mostert had a bad game. You know, he ran four touchdowns in for himself and 150, 160, 70 yards, whatever it was. So it's good that A-Chan, if you're an A-Chan owner, got touches inside the 10. That's clear signal that they're going to be doing that more often. But just be wary that the environment in which they put up 70 points, that's not going to happen again. So I don't think you're going to see this supreme performance again from A-Chan. I think, yeah. I mean, I think in order, because of how big his performance was, you probably had to spend a fair amount of your fab on him if you wanted him. I don't know whether you've already said that or not, but it's one of those you know, recency bias things. We, we see gold and we need to buy it. Right. Um, it's, and it goes counterintuitive size and what he did in college. You know, he wasn't that goal line back at Texas A&M. He did, he did everything and he did it well, but he wasn't that hammer and rightly so because he is so small. So whether or not he gets enough production from, like you say, from just those goal line back touches, whether it will be worth, the expenditure on fab if you got him last week for cheap because you thought there was a potential against what appears to be the non-defensive broncos then you know um well done but i think in the leagues i mean i think there's quite a bit of fab drops on him because of that performance but yeah we only we only tend to see the shiny thing in front of us don't we we don't <laughs> take into consideration that extra bit which is what you were just saying and yeah and, and so, you know, what I was talking about before you came on was who's next. If there's a situation that pops up, who's next? So I talked about Rico Dowdle is the guy I want to own everywhere now because he's the guy you can get for nothing. And if something happens to Tony Pollard, for me, <coughs> excuse me, Tony Pollard's role is probably the most attractive of all the running backs in fantasy football right now other than Christian McCaffrey's. But I think when Christian McCaffrey, if if he was to go down, Elijah Mitchell would be the big beneficiary. And I've talked about that's someone you should add now. But he will split that role with probably somebody else. There will probably yeah. be a uh, there will probably be uh, a couple of players who who would be potentially involved in that role, and it'll be almost like a committee because that's what's happened when they've lost their lead back. Yeah. Whereas I think Dowdle picks up a huge. The fact there's no other running back playing at not getting snapped this week it was 87 percent or 86 percent pollard and the rest was dowdle and no other running back got a snap says that dowdle's going to be the big beneficiary you know you're looking at who potentially is behind kyron williams we don't really know because there isn't a back kyron williams played 100 percent of snaps this week which is just bonkers um they're the guys you want to chase sean tucker in in tampa um, Zach Charbonnet, but he's owned in over 40% of the leagues. These are the players that you want to be potentially trying to pick up and anticipating if there's a, a, a situation change, whether that's through injury or usage. Uh, so you're right. You can't get A-Chan anymore. He's owned in, I don't know, 70, 80% of leagues because, you know, we've missed the boat. But it's the week before it was Jerome Ford. The week before that was... Week one seems so long ago, I can't even remember. Um, oh, Puka Nakua would have been week oh, one. Nakua, yeah. But Josh Kelly was a big one. I mean, Josh Kelly was the running back that people were spending a lot of money on. And people are now discarding Josh Kelly. I'm I'm not a little concerned that he's not really made the most of the Austin Eckler 
vacancy that's been there. But, you know, he's dropped in some leagues. I picked him up for like a fab. I've picked him on one or two fab bucks. I'm like, hey, I'll stop by them. I'll see if he if he goes back to being efficient when Eckler's there. And they they dual-headed it and there's a role there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's A-Chan. Look, I spent quite a lot of time talking about A-Chan. But it's just interesting. I'm just saying, don't put all your eggs in on A-Chan. Um, I've talked about this one already about Andy Dalton and the Panthers <laughs> offense. And and that just don't bank this week fine. If you've got feeling, if you've got chalk, fire them up. The volume's going to be there. But after this week, it's not going to be there. So don't sit there and assume that Adam Feelin is going to get 14 targets and DJ Chark's going to get 11 targets because they've gone from throwing 31 targets to viable receivers um to and again, the numbers are different. So if you looked up the the games, if you looked up week one, Bryce Young threw the ball 38 times, but only 31 of those times went to in the vicinity of a of a receiver. The other seven would have been out of play, over the middle, was absolutely nowhere near anyone. So they can't attribute a target to anyone. So that's what and with rookies, that's normal. Um, even with veterans, like but Andy Dalton threw 58 passes, but they could attribute 57 to targets. Um, so one, he's thrown out of play. Um, that That's more important. So those distinctions are really important because people go, oh, well, Young threw the ball 38 times and it's 58. But actually, it's how many to receivers, how many of them are viable targets. He takes seven off 38. That's quite a significant amount. That's 20% of the volume. Mm. You're basically throwing away. Because they're not viable targets. They didn't, they didn't go to anyone. No one was targeted. The ball went awry, went out of play, went over the top, went thrown out of the back of the end zone. So that's the number, is is how many targets are going to the receivers or, or to a player. It doesn't have to be a wide receiver, just anyone ready to receive. It could be the linesman for we know. So to go from 31, 31, 57, that's not going to – I mean, I don't think it's going to happen this week. I think it will drop a bit, but I still think that number might be in the 40. So it'll be fine for Phelan. It'll be fine for Chark this week. But I do think when Bryce Young comes back, that number's dropping to the low 30s again. And and that's the worry of owning. If you'd spent loads of fab on Adam Phelan, I'm really sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not... Uh, yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Not what you do. Actually, I want to get your take on something before we kick on. I've already covered this, but actually I want to get your take. Okay. I think the projections in apps this year are really bad. Worse for me this year, especially at the running back position, potentially at the wide receiver position, than at any year I've, I can remember playing. Do you think the same? Because I just think there's edges to be had because I think some of the projections are... Well, I Yes, I do. I haven't dived into it at all, but the projection I see going into not so much Thursday nights because that's only a one the one game night and projections tend to be um, concentrated or expanded upon a Sunday when there's more players playing. It's a lot more obvious that it's incorrect. But when I see a team total going into a Sunday night compared to the team total coming out of Monday night football, there is a huge variance in what I see projected and what actually comes out. In in one of my leagues, I've got a fairly competitive team. I've got a couple of injuries. And I think I am down on the projections in that league by about 30% every week. Um, really? Yeah. And th- this is all on sleep. I, I only play on sleep. I've got my, obviously, Scott Fish yeah. league. Um, but yeah, I think, I think projections are to, it, it feels to me like sleeper or ceiling projecting and mm. stuff is not as handsome as they project. And well, so I think that's true in some cases. And I mentioned Chris Godwin's a great example of this where they've massively ceiling projected him. He's not met that projection at any point, but I also think on certain players, they're very, very low. And there's no happy medium. There seems to be players that they are ridiculously low on that they shouldn't be. And there's players that are overinflated. Antonio Gibson, overinflated. Chris Godwin, overinflated. Najee Harris, overly inflated. Alexander Matson, overly inflated. And then you look at other players, Brian Robinson Jr., massively under under <laughs> undervalued. Uh I'm I'm I on NFL fantasy this week in a league, standard PPR league. De- uh, Devon Achan is at eight points. That's ridiculous. That is so low. He's um, and I've just talked about he's not going to get this huge role. He's going to score more than eight points in the PPR league. This yeah. Week. Do you like that's? I just think that's bonk. I get when it's, they're questionable, like Saquon Barkley. I've seen zero to like eight to ten points, and I get it when it's questionable. There's an algo. They they mark points down. They're being conservative. I don't have a problem with with questionable players. But when there's a player and it's, they're so clearly undervalued, I just think it's bonkers. Like like you said, Dave, Dave on that I could pull others. Um, but yeah, what, but, what were you about to ask? Uh, um, I have forgotten that point. But even going into the season, Alexander Matheson was the lead back at the the Vikings. We, we all knew he was going to be the lead back. It turns out he's not great at football. But... He as the lead back at the Vikings, he was projected in week one about four points for the four weeks leading up to week one. He was just at four points, and it's, yeah. you just think, like you said with A Chain, um, whatever his name is now, until next A- week when he finishes. Yeah, um, it, the projection. I wonder whether something has gone on somewhere, and they're just basing these projections on either preseason ADP or 
Yeah. You know, that just... I, there's something going on. I mean, look, here's an example, right? Mike Evans. PPR league with Mike Evans, right? He's projected to score 10.91 fantasy points, right? 10.91 fantasy points. These are his fantasy points for the season. Week one, 18.6. Week two, 29.1. Week three, which wasn't a particularly good week for Mike Evans, he still scored 17 points. Like, so we're projecting him to score seven points. Well, how many catches? He, how many catches has he averaged? Not many, five or six. But he's a big yardage guy because yeah, he's a but, deep. Threat. But what I'm saying is, if he's averaged five or six, you plug that in automatically, don't you? You just assume that Mike Evans yeah. is going to get five catches minimum a game. That's five it's, points. It's six, six, five, six, six, five. So he has seventeen catches on the season. So yeah, you could predict five. You could predict six. But yeah, so ten point nine. You're basically saying he's going to get five catches for 59 yards. Which, Mike Evans has an A dot that is over 10. <laughs> so that doesn't work. That's yeah. what I mean. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. I get you're not plugging him in for 15, but he should be around 13, 14 points for conservativeness. Yeah. He's playing in a dome, so the weather's not going to affect him. Like, I did, These are things I don't understand. Here's another one for you, right? So you have like and, and and also DeAndre Hopkins has projected to score more points than Mike Evans. Mike Evans is currently the wide receiver 5 in PPR. DeAndre Hopkins is currently the wide receiver 46. And DeAndre Hopkins is projected to score nearly 11.71 fantasy points this week. He hit 13.5 in week 1, 8 in week 2 and 7.8 in week 3. So we've got the wide receiver 45 projected to score a point more in PPR than the wide receiver five, who has consistently gone over that projection. But I'm on my high horse now. I just, I think there's an edge to be had. And that is just don't set by projections and hope that your opponents do. Because as you say, there's, they're either overinflated and people are going to put players in on overinflated projections yep. or they're underinflated and they're going to bench players that should start. And I think your edge is to not not follow the projections. And, and look, the projections have never been. I'm not saying that we're expecting them to be accurate to within ten percent, but I think this year they're they're just well well off. I, I mean, as you said, you're talking thirty percent. I've got some projections that are off by fifty, sixty percent. And I just think that's your edge. If you yeah. set by your projections, you're in trouble, or you might fluke it. But I think more often than not, you're going to get really key stuff. If you're going on the start-sit decision and you're using the projection to make that start-sit decision, I think you're in the toilet. I think you're in real, real trouble because I think you could end up making the wrong choice. And Ooh. if you and if you set your start-sit by that and then you go, I was really unlucky, I benched this player and you used the projection to do that after listening to this, I don't want to hear you moan. So I'm telling you now, don't listen to projections. Do you think the standard redraft player has historically based their start-sit decisions on projected points. So say you've got player A and player B on your team and you don't know who to choose, but player A's projection is higher. What percentage of redraft <laughs> players do you think use that projection over checking rankings at website A or website B? I think it's when in the week you set it up. 
So I think if, let's say, for example, I think earlier in the week, smart players, players who listen to this, players who invest time in fantasy football. So people who listen to this podcast, people who listen to any podcast, people who read fantasy content yeah. are more likely to go off expert analysis, opinion, discussion than sleeper projections. But the scenario I'm painting is it's 4.30 on a Sunday. A player is either unexpectedly out or is going to be in a reduced capacity. You need to make a start-sit decision. You don't have the time to look at rankings. We don't have the time to look at a fantasy website with an hour to go or 30 minutes to go or 20 minutes to go or even five minutes to go. So you're going to use the only number that's available to you, and that is the projection in in sleeper in in nfl fantasy and if that's the only method that you've got available to you in a short space of time my advice to you is probably just go with your gut go with what you think is best because i reckon what you think is going to be better than what the projection is going to spit out and say if yeah. you don't have time to research anything else go with because what i don't want is people to sit here and listen and and go with the projection and get it wrong, and then moan that they got it wrong based on the projection. Because I just think, I'm telling you now, they're really bad. Like this year, for me, way, way worse than ever. Mm. So do I think, think we should, do you think we should curb our reliance then on fantasy football apps' projection scores and ability to project well do you think yeah. this is an anomaly oh, yeah. or do you think they've changed what they do and and we should i just don't because... think they re... i don't think i think what they do is it's season long projections and they make small tweaks through the season to upcoming events but it's not quick enough and it doesn't take into the whole approach um and i don't think they're doing a weekly rank i think they're doing a rest of season average that's my guess and they're averaging kind of points out, maybe some spike in low weeks, but the deviation isn't enough week yeah. to week, which makes me think it's an average number that with small variances of deviation versus a really detailed look into what the week is and making those adjustments to weather conditions, opponents, opponents ranking uh, at the position. Uh, and again, three weeks in, those numbers are a little soft and a little bit jaggy, but mm. because you might have played really good teams, you might be in a really tough division. You might play really bad teams. You might be in a really crap division and you might have inflated numbers. And you really, those numbers don't really even out to about week 10, but at least there's some logic to it. I think my issue is, yeah, I, I, I think it's a fantasy player and like you should just not pay attention to the projections at all. Um, and it's a hard habit to get out of because those numbers are there. I'd love it if you could toggle them off. That, for me, would be something I would love. But appreciate that people want that. It's obviously an appetite to have those numbers. So I think a lot of players appreciate and want those numbers. And I think a lot more players that probably they're willing to admit use those numbers in some capacity as part of their decision-making process. Might not be the exclusive element of it, but they might have an element of it. And I think, for me, the edges you're going to have, are you're not reliance to those numbers by listening to podcasts and listen, I don't get everything right. I don't get, I don't get, you know, 80% of things right. I'm going to give you bad advice, but I'm also going to give you some good advice. And more importantly, we're going to give you the strategy 
to make your own decisions. That's kind of the whole point of this is we're going to give you the thinking. And then you might say, I don't agree with Murph's assessment or, or Stocks's assessment on the situation, but I see the logic. I know what to look for. I know the trends I'm picking out. And actually, I'm going to read that situation differently because there is an element of inference that you need yeah. when you're a, a, analyzing the data or analyzing the trend. You need to infer a, a certain situation. I've talked about De, you know, Devon Achan, that in my opinion, most uh, and Wilson are not going away. Your inference to that might be he's the clear guy. That's the inference, right? Is is, and you can you can have a completely different opinion. All all we're doing is presenting the information. I will give a conclusion. You can disagree with my conclusion. I'm not offended. I'm not right all the time. I'll be as wrong as the next guy. And that's fine. And if your situation, if you get to the right outcome for you from listening to this, even if you've gone against my conclusion, then it's the process has worked. That's the point of this. It's not, if I was to just sit here and just tell people what I think and they blindly followed, it would be a pointless exercise. Um, And I think that's kind of the point is draw your own conclusion, set your own lineups on your own convictions, whether that's just pure gut on what you're seeing on red zone. At least that's something. Like, I just think get to your own conclusion and own your process, whatever your process is. Oh, just yeah. own it. Don't rely on the projections, because I think if you're going to rely on the projections, the the smart players in your league are going to eat you alive. Yeah. There's like this, it's the, I can't remember the actual phrase for it now, but it's this the human nature thing of trusting everyone and trusting the information that's just in front of you. So when you like you say you see that projection, you, you just think, well, that must be <coughs> that must be what's gonna happen, right? You know, they're they're plugged into the situation, whether you they are or they're not, that's the information provided. So you blindly follow and what? it's I think I think our aim should be to get players to be more responsible with their lineup setting and, and doing right. it slightly ahead of time i i, I get think, yeah. the, the 5 p.m rush on a sunday i get the the thursday night before you go to bed line up set and thursday nights aren't as important as the sunday nights you haven't got the whole slate but when it comes to sunday night you know you you flick it on at five o'clock you run through your teams maybe add a kicker in that you've added on a sat friday or a saturday and mm. you just you have a look and they go oh that guy's projected more i'll put him into my flex over mm. somebody else but i do think as well there is an element of to the for the I don't, I don't hear what I'm not saying, but there is an element of laziness to the common fantasy football player because yeah. if you were an invested fantasy player, you've either got the fantasy pros app, you've got the ballers app. You know, there's there's hundreds of apps out there now with weekly rankings and stuff. It doesn't take that long to search through a rankings list to see which players above which. But yeah. when it gets to five pm on a Sunday because you've forgotten to do your lineup, you've almost done yourself a disservice by not checking ahead yeah, of time yeah. um and I, but i'm not saying everybody needs to be an absolute fantasy degenerate and give up x y and z to make sure they're playing the best I, and life happens but i think um so the practice i would say is i would set your lineups on a wednesday and then have a quick review before you go to bed on the thursday so rather than having to set your whole lineup on a thursday you set them on a wednesday and then on a thursday if there's been an update in news you can change it then and then you can look at it on Thursday and you can just 
make the tweaks if you need to make a tweak. So, for example, you might have had not had David Montgomery in your lineup when you said it on Wednesday. You know today he's going to be the lead back, and we'll get on to injuries in a minute. So you know he's going to be the lead back tonight. So you'd probably start David Montgomery tonight, depending on who you've got in your roster. But if you're a bit thin at running back, you're probably starting David Montgomery, which you probably wouldn't have had him in your starting lineup yesterday. Mm-hmm. Same with Aaron Jones. You didn't know his status. You probably had him out. You know he's playing tonight. You're probably going to put him in your lineup tonight. And they're the, they're the quirks. Um, but instead of having to set a whole lineup, you do tweak on a Thursday. Then what I would do is I would leave it on a Friday completely. Wouldn't touch the lineup. Let the news happen. Get to Saturday, maybe even Saturday night. Depends on how busy you are on a Saturday. Some people, it's kids during the day. You do it in the evening. Some uh, don't maybe don't have kids and probably are going to do it during the day because they're going to go out at night. Whatever your time, find some time on Saturday. Just do a quick reset based on news and trends and then do it again on Sunday. And then instead of having to go through a whole thing, you're looking at one or two players instead mm-hmm. of having a whole team, instead of having a whole assessment. And then because each time you're building in a different a, a different check. So you're building in a check every single time. So if you're doing it, set a lineup Wednesday, you check on a Thursday, you check on a Saturday, you check on a Sunday. Each time should only be a couple of minutes, if that. And then you go from there. That That is a process that ideally I would follow. Uh, sometimes it's a bit difficult with the amount of lineups I've got, but I, I do try. Um Sometimes I just set them all on a Thursday night um, and don't do the Wednesday, but it kind of just depends. But if I had, depends on the day and the time and, and place. But if you can do that, then do that. But I, I think you're right. I think part of it is apathy. And then I think the other part is this group thing. It's this wanting to be right and viewed right by your league mates, by uh, community, by Twitter slash Elon Musk's playground or whatever platform, Facebook. Uh, and people send out and they want to be right and they want to follow the group think and they want to see people's overall feelings and they put a tweet out or send a message to an analyst and they want that confirmation and then they want to see people they want their decision making validated through some form of validation yeah. and i think sometimes people are too scared to engage with others and therefore use projections as their validation tool. And I think sometimes they go to an analyst they trust and they ask them and then they get their validation that way, which is, I, for me, a more preferred method, especially if it's someone you trust. But there is that propensity to people who put it online and do a poll and then use groupthink to make that decision. And I think that could almost be as dangerous as the projections because yes, groupthink, majority, all of that, fine. But what if you know a narrative takes off? And we've seen it in fantasy football so many times, where a narrative takes off, and you end up following the trends of everybody, and then you lose your edge. If you're just doing what everybody else does, where's your edge? Where is your edge in your team to win a league? If you just do what everybody else does, mm-hmm. then it's a luck league. It's not a. It's not a. A skill league it's a luck league you're basically fully dependent on luck because you're just going to do what everybody else does you're going to follow the same patterns of everybody else you're going to follow the same trends as everybody else and what happens is you follow and eventually there'll be someone who comes out of the pack who is the leader who makes the the edge decisions those five percent moves that'll be the difference between winning and losing a league and i think i've been giving this advice in the patreon chat all week to all different questions that 
fortune favors the brave. You've got to make brave moves and brave decisions. An example I gave earlier in the show stocks before you joined was I'd be trading Jahan Dotson for Rico Dowdle. And and on the surface of it, that sounds bonkers. <laughs> but I don't think Jahan Dotson's doing anything. I don't really like his situation to do much better than he is. And I don't think people realistically can feel comfortable putting him in a starting lineup right now. Nor do I think they're going to be much often except for maybe a bye week. Whereas by trading him to the Rico Dowdle owner, yes, Rico Dowdle might not play more than 17% of snaps in any point of the season. But if Tony Pollard gets injured, and he has been injured before, you have got probably the best handcuff in fantasy football on your roster. Yeah. And you're shooting for the moon. So you're trading a player who you're probably not going to play or you don't feel comfortable playing more, most weeks. And it might not be Jahar Dotson. He's just a player that comes to my mind. But you might have a player on your bench who you have no comfort in playing. And you feel, actually, he's worth more than Rico Dowdle. I can ship him, get Rico Dowdle. And I might never play Rico Dowdle. But what if that situation happens and Rico Dowdle's the next man up in Dallas? Yeah. He's going to be a bona fide high end RB2 with RB1 upside, yeah. And it's going I mean, to be far worth far more valuable than, than the player you're trading. It's the same thing with Jerome Ford, isn't it? Like, it is. You, no one was ever going to play him, no one's going to start him. But to have him in a time where running backs seem to be getting injured more often than not was an upside play. and there you have it. You've got yourself a running back. And it's the same thing as uh, when we first talked back in uh, the start of week one, you know, we, we talked about Jerome Ford. We talked, I said, pick up Puka Nakua because he's a, a deep yeah. sleeper. And hello. I mean, it was fluke, but we suggested the name. And at that point, it was either roster a second defense or a second kicker or a tight end. You were never going to play or pick up Ford or Nakua or even Tutu Atwell. You know, we joked that he was even smaller than Nakua. And, the yeah. guys are on record pace for receptions. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the upside shot is is a far better shot than that safe straight through the middle arrow that doesn't do anything. Um, yeah, it's, and I think it's, I think that's the key is is that is take risks. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least you can hand on heart at the end of the season say I did everything I could to try and win. And I'm always, I'm always all right with that. I'm always all right with the aggressive play that doesn't work because there's logic and there's reason behind it. Yeah. It's when you don't take that, that risk. It's when you don't make that edge because it's those edge planes that are the difference between winning and losing. That's why I'm saying roster as many of these running backs as you can right now, when you yeah. don't need the backup quarterback, when you don't need a backup tight end, and if you're rostering an, a, a kicker in and a defense on your bench, and it's not dynasty, then I I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, I can't help you. Like those have to go. It's it's that point of the season as well where if you drafted well, then the risk at this point in the season should all be on the bench. Your starting lineup should almost be set and forget with li limited risk at the moment because you drafted well. And I know we don't always all draft well and we're a bit worried here and there and we have our flex plays that move based on matchup or whatever. But you're running back one as long as they're not injured. You're running back two as long as they're not injured. Your wide receivers at this point, unless it's Cooper Cup, 
aren't are probably the guys you drafted in the first seven eight rounds because you drafted them to be your starters so your risk at the moment should be shots in the dark based on potential high upside as opposed to a bench full of nothing for that bye week week nine or week 13 that you know you've got coming up yeah i completely agree and i think as well there's going to be players on your roster who whose ceiling is completely evaporated players like garrett wilson you know they're players that if you can try and get something for them now and you can find that player who overvalues that player or wait to the week where they have an exceptional week that they hit the ceiling, then cash out, find a week. Um, and people think I'm not going to trade him because he's a second round player. He's no longer. A First of all, ADP goes out the window. The moment the draft ends, it doesn't matter. Second thing, it's a sunk cost. Third thing, even if we were to reevaluate those players today, he won't be drafted in the second round. Like mm-hmm. if we were to do a fantasy football draft today, Garrett Wilson's a sixth round pick at best. Maybe lower. Well, it's like so, you do you do you do a draft now. Who's the first Denver Broncos wide receiver pick? Marvin Mims. I'm taking Marvin Mims as the first Denver Broncos wide receiver out of the three. I disagree with you, but there you go. We'll cover that in a minute. Why? Okay. <laughs> but I'd uh, be my second. I'd have him over Judy, which says a lot. Um, but yeah. Um, well, I, uh, I'm glad you jumped on because I think that's a, a really good discussion point. Again, facting on strategy, it's been a very strategy heavy pod, but it's good because I think we're at that stage now where we can course correct in situations that we might have not done very well in the draft or roster management and take advantage of drafts by really shooting for high risk, uh, low risk, high reward plays is what I'm going to call them. Low risk, high reward. Because if Rico Dowdle doesn't pan out, you're not losing much to acquire him now and get him. But he could go to the moon. And if he goes to the moon, you might win a ship off the back of him. You might not. Yeah. It might not happen. But I, I'm taking that shot. Um, some trends I want you to go through. Talked about Devon H. And uh, I'll rattle through a couple of these and then we'll pick up some injuries. Uh, Zach Ertz, who I've mentioned, you should be picking up off waiver wires. Just hold fire a little bit. His roots went down to 67% this week. He ran 94% in week one, 75% in week two. I will caveat by saying that because the Cardinals were winning for the majority of that game, which they shouldn't have won against the Cowboys <laughs> uh, on paper, they only threw the ball 21 times. That could be a reason why his roots went down. His targets went down. He had two targets. So just uh, keep an eye on that trend. Just be a little cautious to it, but it doesn't look quite as rosy for Zach Ertz owners as it did two weeks ago. Um, Rashi Rice for me is the wide receiver in Kansas. I want to own uh, 51% of roots, which is a season high. Um, but he had two catches at the one yard line, which is good. So he looks like he's going to be the red zone threat, which is nice. And also, uh, 30% or 36% targets per route run so far on the season. So, why that's important, uh, fantasy fans is. Doesn't matter how many routes you run, and a great example in that offense is um, Marcus Valdez Scantling. Mar- Marcus Valdez Scantling, outside of Travis Kelsey, runs the most routes on the Kansas City Chiefs. Has done all season. Um, when when Kansas when Travis Kelsey wasn't there, he was running even more routes. He's running in somewhere between the mid eighties to the low ninety percent of routes. So on most plays, MVS is out there. Go look at his target numbers; they're minuscule. Is he's only getting targeted once or twice a game. So it doesn't matter how often you're out there. It's when you're out there, do you get the ball? 
or are you being looked at to have the ball thrown to you? Targets don't mean receptions, but you're you have to earn targets. So when Rashi Rice is out there, a third of the time he is being thrown the ball. That's massive compared to MBS, who's like eight percent or seven percent. So it's not about who is so people are people chase yards, people chase touchdowns. What people don't chase enough is targets. And even though Rashi Rice's target volume, I think it was like seven this week, it doesn't seem on the whole of it high. If his number of routes run is increasing every week and he's getting more targets every week, which means if he ends up to a full complement of 80, 90% of routes, he's going to get 10-ish targets because that's what the projections are saying on his level trending upwards. So for me... If I had to pick a receiver I want in that Kansas City offense, it is Rashi Rice, followed very closely by Sky Moore. I'm not interested in Tony. I'm not interested in MBS or Justin Ross or anyone else is in that offense. It really is those two receivers. And I'd put Rashi Rice first because he is the one trending upwards. Sky Moore's kind of been there or thereabouts. It's been consistent. But Rashi, it's like your Marvin Mims situation. Marvin Mims is trending upwards. He's a guy you want to own. And you want to get in now before he puts the real big stat line up. And then you can't get him or you face huge competition to get him. Um, Jalen Warren, 47% of routes run. So he's almost 50-50 with Najee Harris. That's a big concern for me. Um that they could be a 1A, 1B situation coming there. It's not quite there yet on touches. Um, but Harris, you know, 30% of roots is really, really like, so on the number of snaps he played, he only ran roots 30% of the time. That's quite low for Najee Harris. It's a season low. That's quite bad. And then the commentary talking about the fact that Warren um, is being involved more and it appears that there's, there's plays set for him in the playbook and they talked about this repeatedly that's a worry for me so i i'm just if i'm a Najee harris owner now might be a decent time to sell because you might not get that opportunity in a couple of weeks time uh tutu atwell um i've talked about him a fair bit in the past but uh he got leaned on massively when the bengals tried to take nakura away so nakura ended up with I think seven targets in this game because the Bengals just basically took him out of the game and it was Atwell that was getting them. But I also think Atwell's role is set now. I think even if you bought Cooper Cup back in, Atwell for me is the one who's not going to be affected. I don't know if you agree or disagree on that. I haven't seen enough Rams football to agree or disagree, but I think I think what it proves is that we've seen in the past it's Cooper Cup and that's it. Whereas <laughs> this this shows that the Rams are willing to deviate from their single receiver. And I don't know whether that's because Cooper Cup is elite, so they feel that they can feed him in situations that might not necessarily be, well, let's throw it to, you know, even if Atwell, if Cooper Cup's double coverage but has a chance to win the ball, are they still going to play that pass to Nakua or Atwell? Probably not because of Cooper Cup's skill set. But it does show the Rams are sensible enough to move off their quote-unquote wide receiver one at the moment in in Nakua when Atwell's capable of taking the load when he, someone's taking the link and Nakua's out of the play. So 
if Atwell is playing enough in a position that isn't affected by the Returner Cup, then yeah, he's going to well, be... He, and he's not. So I think for me, yeah, he'll see a volume decrease if they keep force-feeding the ball to, to Cup. But we've seen those games when the Cougars have 15, 20 targets and, and Atwell's still getting eight or nine. And I think for me, Atwell's role is pretty cemented in this team. Naku is the one I see going downwards a little bit if Cup's back. It's talk of Cup being back in week five. So for me, going forward, Atwell is the receiver I'm quite comfortable owning um, simply on the fact that I think his role is a season-long role. And I'm not saying he's a, a wide receiver one or like rest of the season, but I think he's going to have wide receiver one weeks, wide receiver two weeks. And I think he somewhere sits between that wide receiver 20, wide receiver 30 range for the rest of the season. And I think it's a pretty cemented role. So I want that guy on my roster. A couple more bits. Uh, Sam the Porter, uh, really exciting early usage. Um, Five catches in each of his first three games. He had 12 targets on the weekend. 41% (laughs) targets per route run, um, which is massive. So 41% of the time, four out of 10 times, He's being targeted when he's on the field, which is stupid when he runs a route. Um, if you're looking for a buy low wide receiver candidate, Wondell Robinson is probably available in almost all leagues right now. So he returned on Thursday night football. And I know that the 49ers got absolutely oh, just destroyed the Giants. And the Giants seem to be like quite easy fodder this year. Um, but having said that, um, Wondell Robinson, he only ran nine routes but he was targeted on five of those so again (laughs) it's not about necessarily how many routes you run it's how frequently you're targeted and if you think he's just returned from injury he's going to run more than nine routes if he's going to see so it's 56 percent, it's not going to stay that high but if he goes in that 30 percent targets per route run he's going to be the volume hog in uh new york yeah so in a PPR league, in a, in a standard league, ignore this. In a PPR league, he's going to have a very safe floor that he, if he's going to get double-digit targets. Um, he's not going to put amazing stat lines up, but he is going to squeak your 10 fantasy points in a week. And that there's a role and a, and a viable option to that, so you could buy him low. Uh, I was going to talk about Courtland Sutton in the sense of I see his role now as the new Michael Thomas. Um in in that offense, I'm just talking because it's Peyton. I'm not saying he's Michael Thomas. I'm saying because it's Sean Payton. Follow the linkage here. It's Sean Payton. He likes to have a slant boy. That slant boy in this offense is going to be, and it already is, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton's A dot is now down to, uh, it's under 10. It's 9.6. Um, he's getting the most targets. He's seemingly going to play that slant role. Um, so Judy out wide is the one getting hindered with targets. His role, especially now you've got Marvin Mims making plays. I talked about this on the Patreon cast. You'll like this, Stocks. The 10 most expe- uh, explosive plays from scrimmage, most yards from scrimmage plays this season, Marvin Mims has racked up the top four and eight of the top 10. How many, times do, you reckon, how many times do you reckon Marvin Mims has touched the ball this season? Probably that amount. <laughs> 12. Eight, so he's touched the ball 12 times. He's got eight of the top 10 plays from scrimmage. There you go. Seven seven receptions and five kickoff returns. It's not a lot. There's not a lot of volume. But the reason, but I, would take, the reason I would take him over Cortland Sutton is I think <clears> he's got 
Cortland Sutton doesn't score touchdowns. I think he's got, I know he scored last week. Um, did he score one or two? He only scored one last week and then he yeah, had one called back, I think. Yeah, but right. I think that was his maybe third touchdown for the Broncos in his career. Yeah. Maybe. and, and uh, Maybe a bit more, but yeah, it's not many more. I, I would bet a reasonable amount he scored three in his internal history for the Broncos. That being his third the weekend. Um, or three or under. I'll take the three and a half under, please. Um, he Well, if, if it makes you feel better, he... Well, first of all, you're miles off. Um, <laughs> first of all, I didn't realise that he came into the league in 2018. Yeah, he's old. How, yeah. Many, it, how many has he scored? Well, he scored two this season. Okay. Uh, he scored 16 in his career. No, he has not. He scored 10 in his first two years. College doesn't count. No, no, no. <laughs> 28, 2018, four touchdowns. 2019, when he put up a thousand yard season, he scored six touchdowns. He scored none in 2020, but he only played, he only had three receptions for 66 yards. So he's out the whole season. So, um, and then he's average. So 21, 22, he had two touchdowns in each season and then two already this season. Where have I got that infamous information? I've misread or heard that somewhere terribly. Uh, I can only apologize. But yeah, I don't think. I still want Mims, is my point. <laughs> I, no, I agree with you. I and, and we've been talking about Mims a lot on this show, that Mims is a player. I talked about him in the Wave Wire show every week, that he's a player you have to add because it's trending that way and it's trending higher, higher level of, of snaps, um, targets, everything's going in the right direction for Mims. Joe Judy's the one that I think is losing out. And you, you said that before the season. You said you worried about Jerry Judy's position on this team. Yeah. So I, you were, were spot on. The reason I worried about Jerry Judy's position is because I thought Sutton had the opportunity to be more of the guy that he currently is. Whereas I think there was talk, you know, it's basically Broncos off-season chat where there's a wide receiver, one of the good wide receivers on the team's getting traded and it's, it's every year and it turns out neither did, but we drafted Rims. And yeah, it's 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 worked out somewhat how I you thought it was going to. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate for the Judy owners and it was a messy situation at the beginning of the season. I just, it's not by any looking going to get any better. So, Yeah, absolutely. Last trend for me is Kendra Miller did absolutely naff all. Um, so it looks like Alvin Kamara is going to work walk into a, uh, a workhorse role because Jamal Williams is on IR. Tony Jones is not it. Like, he'll have a goal line role, but he's not going to be any more than that. And Kendra Miller is certainly not the answer to any of their problems. Um, wouldn't I'd be cautious about starting Kamara this week against the Buccaneers in that run defense? But I think going forward, you're going to see quite a good volume from Kamara. So, these concerns about they signed Jamal Williams, they were going to have issues. He's getting older, he's nearly 29, the suspension, all these things now looks like it's a relatively good situation now that he's out of suspension. So if you drafted him in the ninth round, it might pan out for you. It might pan We don't know. He's not taking a snap this season, but I'm projecting from what I see that he's in for a pretty big role because he's got absolutely naff all competition behind him. What he does with that yardage is the next question, but he should be in line for a good 15, 20 touches a game. And and it's still it's still Alvin Kamara like he's one old, of the but yeah yeah but it's 
He's also been in committees, which, you know, he's not had the Jonathan Taylor 300 snaps a season workload. True. He's been in committees. You know, it's, it's one of those things where he's getting old. Yes, he hasn't touched the ball as many as workhorses backs have. And he's in the system he knows. And I have have so much Alvin Kamara stashed on my benches. I cannot wait. I, I can't tell you how excited I am for the possibility of potentially Alvin Kamara's return to at least mid-running back two, if not running back one, just to the lack of running backs mm. available at the moment. I uh, Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree. Well, I, I think he's going to be RB2. I think it's safe to say he's RB2, and especially with what's going on right now, you'd be quite happy with that. So, yeah, I think solid role. It's locked in. You should feel pretty good about it. So, um, anything else you want to add? I would like to apologize for jumping on late and extending this pod to nearly an hour and a half, but mm-hmm. A, I don't care, and B, it was worth it. So, there you go. No, it was it good. Was, um, it was on. good. You broke up my monotony. I'm uh, sorry. I, yeah, I, I, uh, having trouble at the moment with, uh, I think with the culmination of him getting older bedtime, because Hunter's always been a 12 hour sleeper. So, you know, he's getting older, so he's dropping a little bit of that sleep. So the seven o'clock bedtime is being pushed a bit, culminating with school, starting school, and him now being knackered and overtired by about 10 past four. It's just is is making it a bit more harder for me to get out of his room on time with them. And so, but we'll um we'll all sort something out. But yeah, I am um, I'm pleased I came on and managed to point out some bits from what I had planned to say anyway. Nice. See, that's the way it works. It's always what happens. And you didn't hear me drone on for an hour, um, which is good. But I feel it. I think what I like about this pod, uh, especially this week, is there's a lot of actionable insight to take away. And Mm -hmm. I feel like listeners are going to benefit from that strategy wise, thought wise and things to take away and think about, which I think if we can walk away and give people something to think about and, and to do, I think we're doing our job. So, and and also if you disagree with absolutely everything that we've said, please let us know because it's a conversation at the end of the day. And like, I'd like to have that conversation because I like to learn. I like people to, to challenge me to tell me that they don't think my opinion is good or they disagree yeah. with my assessment of a situation. And, and that's how you get to the right answer. You have all the opinions on the table and then you use them to amalgamate to come to a conclusion um that we hope is the right one so yeah get in touch uh at Murphy underscore NFL. i love strategy questions uh they're ones i will probably always answer um so yeah get in touch there talk about the patreon i did a small manscape to read at the top but do you want to do another one uh, i mean if you've covered it we just shout out manscape say how good their stuff is you know it's Every week, if you've got a beard, you're trimming it unless you are either a Viking and you have no time for that stuff as you're out pillaging or or be a little bit lazy. But today's modern world, keeping that beard fresh is, you know, on point and a must. So head over to Manscaped. They've, I think it's either four or five trimmers they've got now. So it is yeah. literally head to toe, got you covered. If you're a cyclist, you can use it on your legs, keep them smooth to get that aerodynamics. If you've got a beard, keep it trimmed. If you've got a date, keep it trimmed. Whatever you need, they've got something to keep it trimmed and fresh. So, yeah, Manscaped, 
five yard code is five yard math that's right isn't yard. It? yeah there we go 20 percent off and free shipping wherever you are in the world so if it's a even a christmas present if you're a female and you're listening for your male other half hook them up with some cheaper manscape stuff they'll thank you and you get thanked in the process so absolutely because your beard is on point at the moment my friend well, the next a little weak, but yeah, the tops it's doing well. I'm I'm pleased with it. It's a it's at that happy length where she's not moaning at me, and it's long enough that I don't feel I have got haven't got one. If that makes yeah, sense, absolutely. So yeah, manscapes manscapes keeping me looking right there. If uh, if nothing else, so yeah. So check out go. manscaped. Um, check out all the work we're doing. As I said, um, the uh, five yard site. Loads of great articles on there. Loads of great strategy points on there um you can also check out my rankings on there you can check out the ffcc uh latest contests uh and latest updates uh including boo the, boo, boo yeah yeah i know including the uh, intercontinental plate which is uh, a new side to this year so do check out all the latest scores they are up to date as it stands right now good luck to all of you in week four and um yeah checked out the patreon as we mentioned but i think that'll do it mate absolutely um oh public service announcement don't forget there's a game in london this sunday so it starts at half past two so get your lineups done early because that will that will yeah. catch people out i should have should have said that as soon as i came on because an hour and 30 minutes in people might not listen but if you're not listening to the whole thing maybe you should if you are yeah. watching also if you're watching on youtube hit the like hit the subscribe button so you know when we are always live but rush nation until next week don't forget keep rushing Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 